0: Good morning everyone, welcome to Whitburn Pentecostal Church on this Sunday, the 7th of March, a great day and I hope that it's a good day in His presence um, as we come together. We're still online, we're still pre-recording services, but it's still an opportunity for us to gather and to worship God and to really seek His presence in our gathering. We might be in different homes, but we still have the opportunity to pray and just invite God into uh the the things that we're doing today and so we're going to do that in just a little second Um, just to to hopefully welcome everyone who's maybe joining online who's maybe you don't regularly come to this church you are more than welcome uh, to join with us today we're so pleased that you're with us Um, you may be watching this service you know weeks or even months later and uh, I just hope that you benefit from uh, being part of this service Please stay tuned all the way through uh, to the end and let's just really lean into what God has to say for us today. So let's pray and then we're going to worship God. Father, we just thank you that you're with us, you're in this place. Father, you're in every home and Lord, we just seek your presence in all that we do. Father, we know that we need you in everything that we do. Father, Jesus said that you can do nothing without me. And so we just invite you in. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come into our gathering. We invite you to come into our hearts as we worship you. We invite you to come into our hearts and our heads as we read your word and as we consider what you maybe want to say to us today so father we just pray pray that you would flow through everything uh, that, that is said and done today and father may it be for your glory lord we just pray for every member of this church everyone who's tuned into this broadcast and father we just ask for your peace to remain on every house and every heart and every home father we just pray that you would come and that you would meet with us and that we would know your presence and that jesus would be lifted up in our garden today amen Let's just worship God. It's a new song uh, for our church, but not a new song. It's been around for a while. Fantastic song. Let's raise a hallelujah.
1: Aleluia
0: we just thank you for these incredible words. Father, we want to sing hallelujah. We want to sing praise to your name. And Father, we do that. Father, we just ask that you would come and that you would inhabit the praises of your people. Father, as we praise you, Father, in whatever way we do that, Lord, uh, perhaps in our homes, as, maybe as families, Lord, whatever that looks like for us, in the car, going to work or whatever it may be, Lord, we just pray that you uh, would come and fill that space where we praise you. And Lord, we just thank you that you're with us today. We thank you that your Holy Spirit lives in us and we look forward to all that you want to say to us. In the rest of this service. So Father, we just pray, help our minds and our spirits and hearts to be focused on you. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Amen. We're going to turn in a little moment to God's word and I really hope that you're blessed through that, challenged, encouraged. Um, But before that, we're just gonna listen to another testimony. We're gonna listen to Matt's story, Uh, just a young guy um, who has been trying to find his way back to the Lord, back into relationship with him, amongst amongst all the stuff that goes on in life. And I just hope that Matt's story is a challenge uh, as well as an encouragement to us. So let's just sit back and and we'll listen to his story.
2: At university, I I was steeped in sort of lad culture, but with that just came more and more misery. My name's Matt, and this is my story. I've always been in the church, really. Um, And then I walked away from the Lord at about 17. I finished college and then I went to university and I just went out all the time and and that's when I really stepped away from the Lord and I really just went out and getting drunk and I was getting into into more and more trouble. I got into a fight at university and I damaged the guy quite badly and I went to to the police station I remember just before I went in I was praying I said Lord if you you get me out of this I'll change my life I'll change my life and then I didn't, basically I went straight back to it once I got out. Uh, I quit university after two years and, and then I came back home and I got into another uh, fight with some bouncers, I got arrested, but I remember again, I prayed just before that, I said, Lord, I said, if you get me out of this, I'll change and I was put into the back of a police car and my mates were put into another one. They drove my mates to, to the police station and drove me over to a Tesco car park and just opened the door and said, right, you can go. When I came home from university, I realised that I needed to work really hard if I wanted to be successful and that's what I did. I just got my head down. Yeah, but it was coming to a point where I'd work my way up to be able to take over my own business. Just a normal day and my mate ran me and we were about to take it over in a week time. He said, this is my partner, he said, can I um, ring your man second thoughts, can, I, can we have a chat? Yeah, he just says, I'm starting having all these second thoughts, I don't know if I want to do it, I don't know if I want to do this in my life and I'm thinking, okay, this is not good for me. And then he says, I'm having all these questions as well about Jesus. And I was like, what? And he just starts asking me all these questions. And um, yeah, right there, I felt the Lord, well, the Lord spoke to me and he said, um, that I'll give you the answers if you trust me. And that sort of just changed everything then. Suddenly, this Jesus that I'd heard about um, had suddenly become speaking to me. And I was like, what's going on here? I went back to work on my own and I was just thinking about what had just happened, thinking about my life and I remember um, I knew Billy Graham and I put a Billy Graham sermon on YouTube and he spoke about from Joshua 24, you've got to make a choice for your life. Whom, who, whom this day do you serve? And right then and there I said, Lord, I said I wanna I wanna change, I wanna choose you, but I can't. From the past I try and change my behaviour, but it just doesn't work. I need you to come in and do it. That's the first time I really surrendered and, and he came in and changed me and that was six years ago. It says those who have sinned much love much and uh, it's very true for me. To know that I, I stand right now forgiven of my sins is amazing. And I can live with a real freedom. Jesus doesn't just make a difference to your life, he transforms your life.
0: Hi there. If you're just managing to join us online today, a warm welcome again. Uh, thank you to Matt for sharing this story. Uh, we'll be putting up a link on the chat so that you can find out uh, where to access these incredible stories. There's so many more and some just resources about how you can maybe share your story as well. I, I would love to hear some of the stories of the people in the church. And it's something that we've been thinking about uh, for a while. And we just want to hear some of your stories because there's so many amazing stories in this church as well. Let's let's maybe get some of your stories recorded so that we can share them with everyone. Um, yesterday was a special day in the church. We did a wedding, first wedding in the church in ages. And it just so happened to be during a full lockdown. So we were restricted to five people in the building. But uh, I don't know if you know Carol, her mum Lassie. And they, they've been coming to the church for a while now. And uh, yeah, it was just great to marry uh, Carol to her her new husband, Waita. Uh, So we just pray blessing on them as a couple as they move off uh, to to a new life together. Um, Carol's unfortunately going to leave us and uh, get down to Sheffield, but we just bless them. Um, One of the other things I just wanted to say, um, Monday morning at 9.30 we'll be praying together on uh, Zoom. So if you are able to join at 9.30 on Monday morning, you're more than welcome. Um, We had a fantastic evening on Wednesday night with some of our missionaries that we support joining us on Zoom. It was just absolutely incredible. I loved that night. It was just so inspiring. We got a chance to hear from some of our missionaries and to pray for them. And I was just so blessed and so we're going to do that again uh, just in uh, a little while uh, and really pray for our missionaries. I hope you got the information for prayer. You can join in and use that information at any point in time. Please continue to pray for them. They really need our prayers and pray for the church as well. We need uh, prayer too uh, to accomplish all the things that we're trying to do. Uh, Wednesday, so Wednesday, this, this coming week at 7.30, we'll be praying again in Zoom. And I really want us to focus on praying for uh, children and families and young people. Uh, it's just been such a stressful time for everybody and we just want to bless you and pray for you. Um, so that's that's what we're going to do uh, on, on this Wednesday. I just want us to pause for a moment. We're going to pray and we're just going to turn uh, to God's Word just for a short while and uh, really focus on what He wants to say to us today. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you're here and Holy Spirit, we invite you into this time Again, we need to hear from you because your words are life to us. They're words to our our, our whole being, our spirit, soul, and body. And Father, we need your words. We, we depend on your words. We live on your words. It's what gives us sustenance day by day. And so, Father, may our spiritual eyes and ears be open to hear all that you want to say to us today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. We really need God's Word, and, you know, we should be taking that time every day to to just dwell on, meditate on and pray into God's word and, and something that he uh, might be saying to us. I'm going to sort of carry on from last week in a sense. Um, last week I talked about uh, carrying the burdens of our past and, and just how sometimes we, we can get into a routine of life where we just seem to pick up that burden from the past, whatever it is, guilt, fear, uh, sins, what, it could be anything, uh, and we just pick that up and we put it on day by day without thinking about it. And also we thought about how we can carry the worries of the future. And uh, yeah, it's just something that we need to think about. We need to think about not putting on these burdens every day. You know, there are times in life that we go through, and it feels like we're carrying burdens day by day. And I understand that. You know, there are times in life, seasons in life. For example, when we're going through uh, grief, or or maybe we're going through a period where we, uh, a period of redundancy or or separation. or or some accusation that's made against us, or a a situation that feels like it's outside of our control... but, but but nevertheless, you're involved in that situation and, and it involves our thoughts and we, we end up carrying uh, these burdens. Maybe, maybe something's wrong in our families, you know, there are health issues or maybe there's problems with our kids, um, you know, all of these types of things. It can even be that, you know, that for, for all of us, we're all getting older and we're having to navigate uh, new seasons in life all the time. And we can carry these things and they can become a burden to us if we allow them to stress us out. I just want to encourage us to think about uh, bringing these things to God. We we talked about that last week. We talked about calling on the name of the Lord, you know. Uh, We we talked about casting our cares on Him. And we talked about coming to Him because that's what He invites us to do. But there are times when we need to carry each other's burdens, there are times where we need to draw alongside each other. And I just want to suggest that our presence makes a difference with people. When we come alongside, then our presence makes a difference. Our prayers make a difference. There's tremendous power in prayer. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes things in the heavens. Prayer changes things that we have no access to in the physical and in the natural. But we can pray. And we can also offer practical support. And that is such a powerful thing. When somebody's alongside us, Their presence, their prayers, and their practical support. And we can carry each other's burdens in that way. But today, I want to think about a different kind of burden. I want to think just for a little while this morning about the burden of sin. It's a different kind of burden. It's not necessarily... Some of the things that I've talked about, like if we're going through a time of grief or mourning or or separation, separation or accusation, you know, all these things... We can go begin through that, but it's not necessarily because of uh, sin in our lives. It's just that's life. But I want to think about the burden of sin. And let me read some scriptures as we come to this. We're going to read in Galatians chapter 6. And let me read these verses to you. Brothers, if anyone is caught in a sin, it makes me think about that woman who was brought to Jesus who was caught in the sin of adultery. There's so many things that we could say about that story, but we're not going to go into that just now. But But sometimes if we're caught in a sin, you who are spiritual, that is you who are responsive to the guidance of the Spirit, are to restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness, not with a sense of superiority or self-righteousness, keeping a watchful eye on yourself so that you are not tempted as well very easy to come alongside and help other people and and try and help them with the, the things that maybe they're blindsided by, but we need to keep an eye on our own lives as well, because it's so easy to get caught up in this. And then it goes on to say, carry one another's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the requirements of the law of Christ. That is the law of Christian love. And when I read on in the scripture, you're going to think, hey, wait a minute, that's a contradiction. What it means here by carrying our burdens is actually taking that time to get alongside somebody and saying, here's something that you might not be seeing in your life. I want to maybe pray for you, give you some guidance. And in that way, we can help that person and ease that burden of sin by, by just bringing some correction And so, in a sense, we carry other people's burdens. And it goes on to say, for if anyone thinks he is something special, when in fact he is nothing special except in his own eyes, he deceives himself. Let me go on. But each one must carefully scrutinize his own work, examine his actions, attitudes, and behavior, and then he can have the personal satisfaction Excuse me, and inner joy of doing something commendable without comparing himself to another. For every person will have to bear with patience his own burden of faults and shortcomings, of which he alone is responsible. And that's where I say you can almost think there's a contradiction in what has been said here. We can have other people come alongside us and help us with our burden and help us to ease that burden of sin and guide us and show us and lead us. But at the end of the day, we carry that burden ourselves. Only we can carry our own burden of sin. Only we are accountable for our own burden of sin. And so at the end of the day, at the end of the day, each one of us will stand alone before the creator of the universe and we will give an account of our lives. And in that moment, nobody else will be able to stand alongside us. It will be us giving an account for our lives to God. That's an awesome thought. That's a scary thought sometimes. And I just want to challenge us, church, that in the church and in our lives as Christians, we can be carrying sin in our lives and we may not even be aware of it. And when we find ourselves face to face with God, we will have to give an account for that sin. All the things that have went on through churches throughout the years, all the, the breakdowns in relationships, all the splits, all the things that have happened in church life, it will all have to be dealt with. It will all have to be uh, brought before God and, and just dealt with in His presence You know, my first notion of this burden of sin goes way back to when I was a wee boy, and I'm going to put a picture up on the screen here, and it's a picture of Christian in John Bunyan's book, The Pilgrim's Progress. I had this uh, looked out for the message last week, but when I was preparing last week, I thought I don't have enough time to go into this side of the message, and so I thought, well, hang on uh, and and read this uh, and, and sort of Uh, share this today in the message and what I was going to say there was actually I said I I I quoted last week from The Resilient Life and as I went on in the book I began to read about John Bunyan and and Pilgrim and I thought that's where I was going to go last week if I had had time and so it's been really encouraging for me just to to read somebody else's thoughts on that But as a young boy, this is what that burden looked like to me. It was in a book called Pictorial Pilgrim's Progress, which my dad read to us. Um, I probably heard it about three times being read to us. And so these images just got into my spirit. And here's Christian. He's burdened with his sin. And he's on his way to meet Jesus. He's on his way to find a release from this burden of sin. He met a man called Evangelist on the way. And Evangelist pointed him to the the gate. There was a gate and there was a light at the gate. And he said, do you see the gate? And he says, I can't see the gate. He says, well, do you see the light near the gate? He says, I can see the light. And so he begins to head towards that light. And Evangelist has to come along again and and, and get him back on track and point him to, to that light. But he eventually comes through the gate and he finds himself on the way of salvation. You can see it written on top of the wall there. And the Bible tells us in the book of John that Jesus is the gate to the sheepfold. Jesus is the way to salvation. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. And everything that we're talking about today is about Jesus. And these things impacted me as a young boy. And this is a picture of us at Sunday school. Uh, we were probably collecting stamps to raise money for missionaries. Uh, so you can see all the stamps down at the bottom there. I don't know if you can see me in the picture or point me out. So that's me. That's my young brother, Ian. And that's my brother, Alan, just squeezing out the picture there. Um, The the TV's uh, making the picture uh, go a bit funny. But at a tender age of six, I invited Jesus into my heart. I had heard the story about Jesus and how he, he could take my burden of sin away, how he could come into my life and how he could give me a new life. And at the tender age of six, I, I got down uh, on my knees. I had come home from church on a Sunday night. I was in my bed. I remember the window uh, and the moon shining in the window and me getting out of my bed and kneeling by my bedside and just praying a simple prayer, asking Jesus to forgive me and to come into my heart and to help me to live the way that he wanted me to You see, the thing is we carry around this burden of sin and the only person that can deal with it is Jesus. What do we do with our burden of sin? Well, I would like to suggest that there are a number of things that we can do. We can actually begin to accept the things in our lives that are sinful as if they're not sinful. That's why we need the Word of God inside of us because it's the Word of God that brings that light, that shows us the way, that shows us the things in our lives that need to be sorted out it's so easy to say, that's not a sin. We can recognize that we've got sin in our lives and we can try to hide it. That's something that we do uh, very easily. We can also try to rationalize the sin in our lives. We do that with things like temptation. Now, temptation isn't a sin. It's not wrong to be tempted, but to give in to temptation is wrong. But the thing is, with temptation, we can tend to rationalize that. And then when we give in to temptation, we think we're justified in doing what we're doing. And so sin can be rationalized. We can blame other people. We can blame someone else or something else and say, well, it's not my fault. It's that person because they did this and they said that. We can also blame our past. And we've been talking about that. We talked about that last year. And a number of us went through the healing journey uh, led by Terry Wardle. It was just, I loved that time. It was great to be together. And as Kerry Newhoff says, you can make excuses or you can make progress, but you can't make both. You can make excuses for sin or you can make progress and deal with it, but you can't make Both. I would like to suggest that what we need to do and where the starting point is, when we feel the Holy Spirit come and convict us of things, we need to confess. And confession is essentially agreeing with God's assessment. (coughs) Let's read what it says in James chapter 15. Therefore, confess your sins to one another, your false steps, your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, a believer, is able to accomplish much when we put action when we put into action uh, when put into action I'll get there eventually and made effective by God. It is dynamic and it can have tremendous power. James chapter 5, five verse 16 in the amplified. I think I need to take a little pause and draw breath. Confession is essentially agreeing with God's assessment. And when we confess our sins to God, we receive forgiveness and God can make us clean. The Bible tells us that in the book of John. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, from all the the muck of life that makes us the people that God doesn't want us to be. So we can confess our sin to God and it gives us forgiveness, but we can confess our sins to a person and that brings a new dimension of freedom. You see, this is how we help each other with that load of sin, by confessing that sin to another person. It's like unburdening that sin as we share it with somebody else. And again, to quote Kerry Newhoff in his book, Didn't See It Coming, you won't address what you don't confess. You won't address what you don't confess. So much has been written on this subject. And one of the the, the places where I found out so much about it was by a man called Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And in, in his book, he says, Only another Christian who is under the cross can hear my Confession. It's not the experience with life, but the experience of the cross that makes one suited to hear confession. The most experienced judge of character knows infinitely less of the human heart than the simplest Christian who lives beneath the cross of Jesus. When we have been forgiven much, we love much, as Matt said in his story. We need to keep a watchful eye on ourselves so that we're not tempted as well. The problem with hearing somebody's confession is, if we're struggling with the same things, how can we possibly help that person? It's as we have come under the cross of Christ and have experienced the forgiveness of sins that we are then able to fully understand in our maturity in life and help somebody else with their sin. When we confess things to God, the thing can remain hidden. When we confess it to another person, it's brought out into the open. The problem is that we don't want our sin to be seen. We don't want the ugliness of our lives to be seen. Anything that takes us away from God is sin. But I think we need to go further than confession. You know, there's that word that you were asked to say time and time again when you were a kid. You all know what it is. It begins with a big capital S, and it's the word sorry. And there's a sense of which, I don't know about you, maybe it was just me. When I was a kid, I had to keep keep saying sorry because I kept uh, I'm really struggling with my words today. My humble apologies. I kept on having to have things to apologize for. And we don't like it when we have to say sorry. I see it time and time again when people are reluctant to say sorry. I think sorry is such an important word. If you are a married couple today, let me suggest that sorry is such an important word in your relationship. If you are a child and parent relationship, the word sorry is important. And it's not just our kids who need to say sorry to us. Sometimes we need to say sorry to them, because even as parents, we get it wrong. In our relationships across church and the places that we work, there are times where we just need to confess, man up, and say sorry. By the way, that was my mistake. I'm sorry. Such a hard word to say, though. Because it brings the thing that we've done wrong out into the open. We need to admit that actually we were doing something wrong. The problem is if we don't, we can end up carrying that. And then we carry something else. And then we carry something else. And something else and something else. And before we know it, we're burdened by all these things that are in our heart that are weighing us down. But the step after confession is a different step. It's actually the step called repentance. Confession is agreeing with God's assessment of things and saying, actually, I'm, I'm wrong here. But repentance is something more. It's more even than saying sorry. It's a recognition that our life is going in the wrong direction and having the good sense to stop and to turn things around, to do something about it. How do you feel when somebody keeps coming back to you and saying, I'm sorry, I've done it again? I hear another song coming on. Oops, I did it again. We don't like it when people keep coming back and saying sorry for the same thing. You're like, well, why don't you just stop doing it? Easier said than done with some things. But that's what repentance is. It's about stopping in our tracks and it's about turning round and going in the opposite direction. Back in the 31st of October last year, Josh and I did a cycle across the breadth of the central belt of Scotland. And we were following the canals. And as we were on the track, we found ourselves right in the middle of Glasgow. And if you were following that live on Facebook, I stopped and I did a video at this point. And I talked about how we're now in the centre of Glasgow and we're on our way and the wind's terrible and we've been through sheets of rain and it's been absolutely miserable so far. Uh, Actually, it was good fun. But when we were in the centre of Glasgow, we realised that we ran out of canal. We realised that we had went the wrong way. And I got the map out on my phone and I'm saying, well, we could go that way and we could go this way. And and I'm trying to work out a way to get back to where we're trying to go. And I realised that it was going to be So much more complicated to try and find another way to the direction we were heading in. What did we have to do? We had to stop, we had to turn around, and we had to come back. We'd went four miles in the wrong direction, and we had to come back for another four miles to get to the place where we went wrong. And it's an illustration of repentance. It's about stopping, it's about turning round, and it's about heading back to where we went wrong the irony is that even when we got back to the point where we went wrong we went straight past again and we couldn't find the junction to go onto this other track and we had to stop and turn around and come back again and when we got to the place where we thought it must be in about here we just had to stop and look for a sign the, the phone was out trying to find our way and we had to look for a sign. The problem was that the sign was obscured by another sign. It was as if somebody had pushed it round out of the way, and we couldn't see that what we had to do was come off the track, down and underneath the canal we were following, and up the track, and then join a different direction. We couldn't see it. It was hard to see, and I think it's like that for us in life as we're trying to navigate Um, the the things that are in our lives the things that we're struggling with we're trying to find the right way we're trying to get ourselves right with God sometimes we find it frustrating but there are times we just need to stop and we need to look for that sign maybe it's a case of stopping and confessing to somebody else look I'm really struggling with this can you maybe come and pray with me can you guide me can you help me and somebody that can turn us back onto the right way and, and show us the right way, just like in that story where evangelist pointed out to Christian the right way to go. The problem is that our lives can be heading in the wrong direction, and we're not even aware. It looks right, feels right, but in fact it's wrong. The problem is that we can be too busy and too too distracted to even notice. Too busy and too distracted to even notice. On that journey that we were on, we were set on the journey that we were going. We knew where we were going. We didn't realize that we'd missed a turn off and we were merrily going on our way and merrily going in the wrong direction. It felt right. It seemed right. But it was the wrong direction. And it eventually brought us to a dead end where the canal stopped. We're like, where does it go from here? On the map, it says it goes right across the country. And sometimes we get to that place where we just find ourselves lost and we need to stop and we need to ask maybe somebody to help us pray with us. We need to come to God and confess to God and say, look, I'm really sorry. I've messed up. I've come down a blind alley. I want to turn around. I want to get my life sorted out with you. And it's that point, it's that point where it dawns on us. Actually, something's not right here. It's when the light gradually rises in our lives and we go, ah, ah, right, I see it now. I've made a mistake. Wow. How could I have missed that? And it's possible that you're a Christian listening to this message today and you're diverted down the wrong road, you're diverted down a blind alley, you're sidetracked or distracted by the many things that can come into our lives, so many things that can come in to tempt us and take us away from the path that God wants us to walk on, take us away from our relationship with God. And the crucial question I want to ask today is, how much do we love Jesus? Do we love him enough to stop and to turn around and to Ask Him to help us back on to the path. Do you want to get back on the right track with God? At what point does it dawn on us that the peace that we're looking for, and that's proving to be elusive, is because we're not living God's way? I quote that verse so many times from Philippians chapter 4 about and everything through prayer uh, with supplication and with thanksgiving present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus but we'll never experience that peace if we're on the wrong track if we're wandering away from God rather than coming towards God we will forfeit that peace all I'm asking All I'm asking, church, and for anyone who's joined in to this broadcast either today or listening to it later on, is that we take a moment to stop and to consider where we are in our relationship with God. Maybe to think about that time where we went off the track. We we, we actually can trace back and we think, that's the moment where it started going wrong. Can I suggest that we don't go from A to C? We need to go from A to B to C, (laughs) We need to we need to find that way back that isn't just kind of cutting across. We need to go back to where we we came from and find a way back to God. Consider how our words, our actions, or our lack of words of encouragement, our lack of action towards another person has impacted that other person has impacted God. You know we need to think sometimes about. When somebody's keeping having to say sorry to us, when somebody has to come back time and time again and apologise, I apologise, I apologise, and we have to keep saying, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. What does that feel like to us? We start to get a bit worn down by it eventually. And let's think about it from the other perspective. How does God feel when we keep come having to come back and say, Lord, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, And he says, I do forgive you, but you really need to deal with this. And you maybe need somebody to come alongside you and to hear your confession and to help you to get back onto the right track. There's another image which is imprinted on my mind. Going back to those times as a kid. Imprinted on my mind, but imprinted on my spirit. And it's that picture of Christian's burden falling away as he comes to the cross of Christ. And it falls back off of his back into a pit. And this is the incredible thing. I shared I shared in church a while back, a few weeks back, that if we need to keep coming back to the cross, it's because we need to, to keep dealing with our sin. And there's a sense in which we all have to do that from time to time. What was suggested is that we push through that 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 whole experience of confession and repentance so that we're living the life that God wants us to live. We don't we don't become sinless, but we start to be able to live in a way where we sin less, where our eyes are fixed on Jesus more and more and more, and we're following his lead day by day by day. And when we're close to Jesus, the distractions of the things in life that would take us away down those wrong tracks, have less of an attraction because we're more in love with him than we are in love with the things that tempt us. You see, Jesus died for our sins. Jesus died that our sins could be forgiven. When Jesus died in that moment, he took the sins of the world upon himself. He took your sin and he took my sin And sometimes I think about this. I think about those nails which were driven into his hands and into his feet. And with every hammer blow, I think, that was my sin that put him on the cross. As his blood came out of his body, as he hung on that cross, I think that was my sin that he shed his blood for. And I don't know about the effect that that has on you, But in those times when I've been wrestling and struggling with sin, and I've had to confess to God, and I've had to confess to others, in those moments, I realize that it's the weight of my sin that put Jesus on that cross. The weight of my sin that had him hang there. And when he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing, he was looking forward, and he was seeing me as well. He was looking forward, and he was seeing you. But we need to ask Jesus into our lives. We need to apply this to ourselves. We need to walk in the forgiveness of sins. In other words, we need to ask God to forgive us. We need to confess to Him. We need to ask for forgiveness. We need to repent. We need to turn around. We need to get back on the right track. And we need to come to the cross. We need to come to this place where our burden of sin falls off, where our burden of sin is removed. And how amazing it is when we learn to live freely and lightly because that burden of sin has been taken from our shoulders. What I'm suggesting is that we come to a place where our sins are forgiven and where we're living closer and closer to Jesus all the time. You see, we need to come to that place. We need to come to that place of recognition that we need a saviour. We need to come to that place of recognition that we need to come back to the cross in order for that burden of sin to be dealt with. My question simply, as I close off today, is will you come to the cross of Jesus? Maybe you've never come to the cross before. Maybe you have never given your life to Jesus. The Bible tells us that there's a price to pay for our sin. The Bible says in Romans that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The Bible tells us that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We've fallen short of that perfect standard which God set out for us at the start. Every single one of us, every human being that lives on the planet has fallen short of that standard. We don't like to talk about the word sin these days. But that's where we're at until we come to the cross, until we come and ask for for forgiveness. When we come and we're looking for that repentance, repentance, before God and we give it to God and we say I've, I've went down the wrong track. I'm stopping. I'm turning around and I'm coming your way. Help me. Help me. I want to encourage you to do that today. Maybe you've never done that before. I'm going to pray a prayer and invite you to pray that after me and I believe that God will come and forgive you that his holy spirit will come and live in your life and that he will empower you to stop going back to those things that you need to repent of the things that you need to keep saying sorry for. And then I'm going to pray a prayer for the church, for those who are already believers, those who are already Christians, those who are already trying their hardest to follow Jesus. And maybe some people are struggling today with something or other that's going on in your life. I want to pray for you that God would release you from that because he can. Let's just pray. Repeat this prayer after me if you want to just invite Jesus into your life for the first time today. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he took my sin on that cross, that he died for me, that I may be forgiven. And I pray that you come into my life through your Holy Spirit. Forgive me. Make me clean and give me the strength to live the way you want me to live. In Jesus' name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, let me know. Let someone know that you know that is a Christian and ask them to come alongside you, to pray for you, to support you, to help you on that way. And Father, we just pray for the church today. Lord, we pray for Christians today. Lord, we pray that in your church we would learn to put aside the pleasures of life and the simple things that would distract us Lord, as Hebrews talks about it, the sin that so easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race that is set out for us. Father, may we run a race with nothing hindering us. Father, the sins, the things which get into our lives that would distract us and stop us from following you, Father, we put those things aside, and we want to run that race, and we want to follow you. Father, we want to be passionate for the things of your kingdom. And Father, we would say again, as Jesus instructed us, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. Father, may your will be done in my life and the lives of those in this church as it is in heaven. May your power come. And Father, may you set us free from the things which have kept us bound for years. And, Father, we pray that our future will be different as Christians from this day onward. Lord, we pray that there will be a freedom in people's hearts as they come before you and as they confess and as they repent and as they turn round from those things which would dog them. Father, we pray that there will be a newness of life. Father, we talk about, behold, I do a new thing. Lord, we pray that you do a new thing in our hearts today. Lord, may you set us free. May you set us on the path. And Father, we pray that we would chase after you with our whole heart. Father, we think of Caleb, and you said about him that he had a different spirit because he served me wholeheartedly. Father, we pray that there'd be a rise of wholehearted service in your church, not just this church, but the churches across this area. Father, that you would ignite a passion and a fire within us, that we would be prepared to lay down our lives for you father to serve you and to follow after you with all of our hearts lord forgive us for the times when we've been distracted by so many stupid little things father forgive us for the times where we've been out of sync with each other where there's been disunity in this church and in other churches and between churches father Lord, I think of the prayer of Jesus in John 17, where he prayed that they may be one as you and I are one. And Father, we pray for a cleansing of your house, a cleansing of your church. Father, that we may we may be one. And Father, that we may walk in the fullness of the things of God. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd come and convict us. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this moment to come and bring revelation to our hearts that we would stop doing the wrong things and start doing the right things. Lord, may there be a moment where we realize and we turn around and we get back on track with you. And so, Father, we pray that you would come and that you'd help us in these things. Lord, help us to honor you with our lives, with our bodies, with our minds, with our souls, with our spirits, with our whole being, with all of our strength. Father, help us to honor you with our finances and our time and our families and all the things which you've blessed us with. Father, may we honour you with everything that we have, everything that is us. And Lord, we pray your blessing on this church and your church across this area. Lord, we pray that it would begin to rise up from the ashes. And Father, that it would be the sound of praise which goes out that's louder and louder and louder. Father, that the world would take notice. Father, that the communities around here would hear your praise and hear how immense and awesome and wonderful and fearful you are and so father we pray that you would do these things and that you would build your church jesus said i will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it father we ask jesus we ask build your church in this area and may the gates of hell not prevail against it father help us not to become overwhelmed by evil but to overcome evil by good we ask this in jesus precious name Amen. Amen. I just pray that the Lord blesses you today and as you go into the rest of this day, whatever it holds for you, I pray God's blessing on you and your family, on your children, on your parents, on your extended family and your household. May the Lord bless you and keep you, make his face to shine upon you, grant you peace in every way, in Jesus' name. Amen.